Hi listeners, you're welcome to Family Alive Ministry, aka FAM. God began the world with a family, and it must be our goal to maintain that plan. A godly family will produce a godly world. We hope as you listen to this message, the vision to restore God's plan in families would be impressed on your heart. Now, today's message. So, my title for today, and I think it might even continue what I've been doing for two weeks, that God is good, will be... Don't worry, be joyful. Wow. Amen. Tell but don't worry. Be joyful. Hallelujah. Don't worry, be joyful. Don't worry. Sometimes when you're going through things and somebody says, don't worry, it's not the advice you want to hear. You know? You don't want to hear, don't tell me, don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> right. Life can be hard, and it's true. If you don't know that life can be hard, then you were just born. Are you with me? Uh Uh-huh. You are yet to even start crying. (laughs) Life can be hard. Life can be difficult. Life can be challenging. And one of the things that we have to note about when when we approach the Bible is that the narrative of the Bible does not take away the reality of how hard life can be. As one of us, sometimes when you read the Bible, it looks as if, man, you got it right. You know, you look at it and you see all the evils that can ever exist on the face of the earth. It's in the Bible. Yet we call it the holy book. <laughs> Are you with me? Because the Bible doesn't shy away from the truth. Doesn't shy away from the truth. So every ugly sin it's in the Bible. One of the most, I remember that as I started reading the Bible, one of the accounts that I read in the Bible that shocked me was the priest whose wife was raped. And the priest, when the wife died, got angry and cut his wife into pieces. <laughs> yeah, it's in the scripture. Cut the wife into pieces and spread the, this in around. Seeking revenge. Yes, in the Bible. The Bible tells an account of a man who makes a promise unto God to offer his son as a sacrifice. And <laughs> life will have its whatever he asked of God came to pass. So he had to go and do it. And went to offer his child as a sacrifice. All of that is in the Bible. So the Bible doesn't shy away from truth or from reality. Sometimes in living, it looks as if we are pulled on two sides. There's a direction to which our hope leads us. And then on the opposite end, fear starts pulling us to the other side, the other way. Are you with me? So sometimes life brings you to a place where there is this pool that you find yourself in. Are you with me? Okay, a second. Are we good? Uh-huh. Life pulls us. So we often feel the pull. Uh, we feel that we are pulled apart. And that produces great worry in our life. Sometimes it looks as if we can't help but to be anxious. To worry and to be anxious. Because your hope is towards this side, but your fears and things are on the other side. Are, are you with me? Uh-huh. 
So we, we end up being very anxious. To be anxious or to be worried. And, and I'm going to break down the word based on the study that I did that was quite interesting. Are you in the house? Yeah. When you trace the root word of the, of the, of the, uh, the true root meaning of the word worry, it leads to a German word, which I can't put, I don't know, Germans are. <laughs> but the meaning of the root word means to strangle. Yeah, it surprised me, to strangle. <laughs> the root meaning word, the, the root of the word worry, when, when you study it, is to strangle. Mm-hmm. Webster Dictionary describes it as, he said, when you, when you as I, based on the study that I did, it says that the root word Webster deducted to have worry, it means to choke and to strangle. It means to harass by tearing, biting, and snapping. And the description it gives it's like wolf, how a wolf deals with a lamb. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. How a wolf deals with a lamb, that is just a description on how the root meaning of the word worry. <laughs> so worry is not just worry. Yeah. It says it's the mental distress or agitation resulting from concern, usually for something impending or anticipated. For the past year, the world, we've been worried. As some of us, we're still in a state of worry. A lot of people are anxious and are worried and don't know what is happening. I mean, when the COVID came and it associated situations, Economic shutdown, meltdown, confusions, governments not knowing what to do. Mm. And so many people became worried. And as a matter of fact, some people are even still worried. And I'm saying that the minute the, when you worry, hey, uh, it's like a wolf attacking a lamb, biting ish. That's serious. Amen. Amen. Yeah. It says, to grasp by the throat with the teeth and lacerate, or to kill or injure by biting and shaking. I mean, the more I said it, the more I couldn't believe what I was reading. That that's actually what worry does. And this is what worry does to your joy. This is what worry does to the heart of a believer. It comes in to bite to choke or to strangle your joy. Eesh. How many of us here can say we have never worried before? I can't lift my hand. I've worried. I've spent my time worried. I've woken up with worry. Ah. Oh, I'm alone. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. Worry. Someone say worry. Another word that is synonymous with worry is fret. And that word we find in scripture a lot. And it says, 
It is derived from an old English word, threaten. It's a meaning to devour or consume. To devour or, or consume. Which means literally to eat something. To eat into something. So all I'm saying is that worry is detrimental and destructive. The more I study, there was no good part, there's no parts that are found to be good about worrying. Hey. Worrying is what detrimental and what's and destructive. So anybody that practice worrying, ish. Yeah, what? <laughs> It says somebody did a, 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 a somebody did a research and it says the average person's worry or anxiety is focused on yes forty percent things that will never happen. Forty percent of our worry are things that will never happen. Forty percent. It said thirty percent on things about the past that cannot be changed. Hey. Some sins and some actions that you did that were in the past that you can't go back to change them, but yet you are worrying about them. Wow. Hallelujah. Amen. No wonder average people don't, they, they, they are not happy. <laughs> it says 12% are things, are things about criticism by others, mostly untrue. People are worrying that those are worrying about the criticism, what people said about them. We are too known to do. And they are sitting around that. <laughs> contemplating. contemplating. You, are, you know they are untrue. Move on. Am I making some sense? Somebody said 10% about health. And here's what, what it says 10% is about health. It said, which gets worse with stress. Wow. <laughs> and it's so true. It's so true. You're worried about your health. <laughs> and you see, the minute you start worried that you are, you are getting sick, and the more your, your stress level even goes up. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Ask your neighbor, are you part of the average people? <laughs> what is the answer? <laughs> your, your neighbor has not answered. <laughs> Ask them, are you part of the average people? <laughs> this one is the average people's problem. <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. He said 8% about real problems that will be faced. Only 8% about real, a real problem. And whichever the case is, you are about to face them. So why are you worrying about them? Hey, I'm making some sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came across some quotes on worry, which um, some of them are very interesting. It says, worry is the dark room where negatives are developed. <laughs> <laughs> So the more you're worrying, the more you're developing some <laughs> negatives. Yeah. It's a worry cast a big shadow behind a small thing. <laughs> you cannot change the past, but you ruin a perfectly good present by worrying about the future. Let me take that again. You cannot change the past but you ruin a perfectly good present by worrying about the future.
One quote says, only one type of worry is correct, to worry because you worry too much. <laughs> to worry because you worry too much. <laughs> and that says, worry pulls tomorrow's cloud over today's sunshine. Just want to look the where the quotes I, I found plenty. This is a, 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 um, a Christian site research area, and the quote plenty means that over the years and that where I use I use for my research, they are, they, they pull together research papers, documents, um, theology from various over the years. So it's not just one. The pile showed to me how much people have written about worry. Or how much God has inspired people to write about worrying. Hallelujah. Are you with me? I, I, just, I just want you to know that it's not good to worry. Tell anybody, it's not good to worry. And then the last quote, which I, I, I brought, says, Worry is merely unbelief, parody in disguise. Mm. So when you worry, it means that it's actually you're, you're a sign of unbelief. Hmm. Ah, are you in the house? How many of us are worrying whether I'll marry or not? Mm. Will a man never marry me? You are worrying. Ish. Will my child go to Oxford or not? <laughs> Amen. Let's look at the scripture in Matthew 6, 25 to 30. 26. Eh, Matthew 6, 25, 30. <laughs> okay, let's look at what the message Bible says. No, let's let's go to let's go to um, a more traditional one. Then we'll come to the message Bible, right? He said, "Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food?" And the body more important than clothes. The next verse. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in bands. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Put it away, put it. Your heavenly father feeds the birds. Okay. Are you not much more valuable than they? The next verse. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? <laughs> and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Okay, let's go to the Message Bible. He said, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed as a... So the lilies of the field are more dressed than... <laughs> okay. He said, he said, if you decide for God, living a life of God worship... It follows that you don't fuse about what's on the table at meal times, or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. <laughs> there is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Mm. Look at the beds, free and unfretted, not tied down to a job description. 
careless in the care of God. Hey! Careless in words. I like that phrase. Careless in the care of God. I think you should write it somewhere. I'm going to be careless in the care of God. Wow. The best are careless in the care of God. And it says, and you count far more to him than birds. Hallelujah. <laughs> I've never seen uh, uh, birds queuing on a job, uh, unemployment line. <laughs> right. Uh, has anyone by fusing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? Mm. Mm. <laughs> I like the level <laughs> Mickey, you're supposed to have love in capital letters. <laughs> One of the worries of Mickey is to go to. <laughs> so when he stands behind in front of the mirror and then he's doing like this, I say, hey, if you have gold taller, then we don't know what would happen. <laughs> Even with this, your height, we can't stand you. How much more? <laughs> hey, are you in the house? Yeah. Uh, all this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashion, Walk out into the fields and look at the wildflower. The wildflowers, they never prim or shop. Hey, message Bible there. <laughs> but you are, is it? But you have, but have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabbily alongside. Wow. <laughs> well, let's put our hands together. I think it's. it's, it's Hallelujah. McQuarren in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, outlined four things out of this scripture. And I like the way he put them. I want to, I want to share also them with you. He says, one, worry is unreasonable. Out of this, worry is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. He says, if the thing is not going to last, don't worry about it. That's what God is saying. If it's not going to last, why are you worrying about it? Why worry about temporal things? It's unreasonable. He says to worry about something you cannot change is both stupid and useless. It's stupid and useless to worry about what you cannot change. I remember uh, Dr. Mark Maddox said that. He said, he said, only concern yourself with things you can change. And if you can change them, don't worry about it. Go ahead and change it. But the things you know you don't have power to change, don't worry. Are you with me? Yeah. Number two, it says worry is unnatural. <laughs> of all the things that God has created, only man worries. Man is the being that worries and are not able to trust. And he says, the birds of the air even trust God. Hey. Yeah. So worry is part of that. It shows that worry is part of our sin nature. Are, are, are you with me? Yeah. Worry is unnatural. Number three, he says, worry is unhelpful. He said, does it add an inch to your life? Does it make you grow taller? Worry does it... <laughs> Add anything to you. So it doesn't help you. It doesn't bring you any closer to your solution. So don't worry. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't worry. Don't. 
Don't worry. Hallelujah. Don't words worry. Don't words worry. Don't worry. Whether you are tall or you are short, don't worry. Hallelujah. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> Amen. And then last one, he said, worry is unnecessary. Why? Because in God's sight, you are more important. You are more important than anything God has created. That's the way you have to see it. Anything that God has created, you are more important. So the question then comes in, am I saying that you should not worry at all? You say, oh, that's for life there. Yes, it meant warranty. <laughs> when you get up, anyhow, you live in it. That's, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> no. No. And I'm going to give you two scriptures. First, Psalm 55, verse 22. Psalm 55, verse 22. You know this scripture? I mean, those of you that have been in church for some time or read your Bible, you find it. It says, So what does it say? It says, was, cast your... Okay, so there's a recognition that there are cares. Right? So to say that there are, there's no worry, oh, and go to... It's not true. The Bible says, cast your cares. This is a recognition. Cast your cares upon the Lord, and he will what? sustain you. He will do what? He will never let the righteous what? fall. Hallelujah. He will never let the righteous fall. Look at the righteousness. He will never let you fall. He will never let you fall. Shake your neck and say, God will never let you fall. God will never let you fall. He will never. Look, God is not ignorant about your weaknesses. So when he says he will never let you fall, he, he's talking about being fully aware of your weaknesses, your lack of understanding, lack of, lack of knowledge, and the possible, uh, possibility of mistakes that you make. But he says he will never let you fall. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He will sustain you. Tell everybody, he will sustain you. Will sustain you. Message says what? It says, pile your troubles. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says, pile your troubles on God's shoulders. He will carry your load. He will help you out. He will never let good people topple into ruin. He will never. There's one of it, when you be a, 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 a student of scripture, there are, there are a lot of things that you come across that will be a blessing to you, you hold on to. And recently, one of the things that the Holy Spirit has been reminding me um, is... That the fact that when God makes a promise, when you read the Bible, anytime God goes into a covenant and making a promise, it is said that when you are, when you, are you know, covenant is, it comes with a, um, an oath, in a sense, a swearing. And we always make an oath to something greater. But when God is going to covenant or swearing to do something, there's nobody greater than him. So God swore by himself. In a sense, God is fully aware that himself is online. That's when he makes promises. So whenever we come to the promise of God, which I'll come to the place, which is the basis of our faith, is the fact that a person's name 
and his character is on the line. Am I making some sense? Yeah. So when you see where the promises and the assurances of God's word is, you have to know that it's not just a matter of positive thinking. I'll show you. It's not just positive thinking. Somebody's name is on the line for you. Hallelujah. So tell me, but God will never allow you to be defeated. Come on. Yeah. God will never. He will defend you. He will never let honest people be defeated. What an awesome God is. Hallelujah. What an awesome God. Someone say, God is awesome. A theologian by name Maya says, God imposes burdens to see what we will do with them. His view is that <laughs> God imposes burdens to see what you do with them. And this is what he says. He said, we may carry them to our own undoing. Or we may cast them on him for his blessed countenance. Hallelujah. Now, wherever the burdens come from, whether from God, from your choices, that's not the focus of the message. But whatever it is, there's a recognition that burdens and cares are in this life. But you decide what to do with them. Whether you turn yourself into uh, Kayayu, Kayayu, you know Kayayu, uh and decide to carry, carry the burdens, or rather, you take your burdens onto God. You go and cast it onto him. Hallelujah. Yeah, the choice is yours. Even if God does take it away, or even if God does not take it, take it away, based on this scripture I read, even if he doesn't take it away, he will give you strength to carry it. Because that's what it says. He will give you strength to, to sustain. He will sustain you. It means that God will make sure that you don't break under the pressure of the trouble. Hmm. Am I making some sense? Yeah. He will never allow you to break under the pressure of the trouble when you decide to give that trouble to him. When you leave it in his hands. Amen. We must go to God. Casting onto God then implies that we must pray. We must pray. We must do what? Yeah. Our prayer points not only what we trust in, but who we trust in. Not only what we trust in, but who we trust in. If you don't take in things to God in prayer, it's a sign that you trust in your abilities. It's a sign that you are your own God and you trust in your own wisdom and your own ability to manage and handle it. Hey, and can we all here be, can we all be, are we confident to say that we are our own God? Yeah, you do how you feel every time. Every point in, you even watch how many times people around you tell you you have failed them. Mm. Trust me, I'm a pastor. But the number of times I, I get indication of people that say you have failed me. How? You were supposed to call me, you didn't call me. I'm not God. Yeah. Oh, somebody didn't get it. I'm not God. You're supposed to call. You didn't call me. You're supposed to do this. You forgot. Or you're supposed to do this. Oh, I didn't like the way you spoke. With you. Because I'm not God. I'm not perfect. If I assume that I was perfect, then I would take the burden and the worry of that thing. Oh, am I making some sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not God. We must know who God is in our lives. And take all the burdens and the troubles and the challenges onto him. Especially this, especially goes to us men. Men, are you in the house? Amen. Hey, are you in the house? Because society and life pull so much on us. Not just, and even God, we are responsible for the home. That's where it started from. Our burdens start from the home. We are responsible for the home. Our influence extends to society. We have to take care of our children. We have to take care of our home. We have to be good husbands to our wives. 
And these things are good, but they can be a burden. As a man, you have to learn to daily surrender unto God and say, God, help me carry the burden. Shoulder the burden of being a man. Shoulder the I mean, we know. It's amazing. One, 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 one of my boys used to say, he said, look, he says, he realizes that God has blessed him with the capacity not only to love one woman, but two women in that nation. <laughs> and I love, you know, and it, I mean, because a man, every man as is working can love as many women. In a sense, a man can have sex with as many, as many women as he, a man can do that. Yeah, it's a burden to carry. Mm. <laughs> It's a burden to do what? To carry. So give it to God. God, I cast on the burden of that extra love that I feel in my heart. <laughs> I have a wife, but I have this burden of <laughs> wanting to take care of other women. Oh, God, I cast that burden on you. I'm telling you, go cast it on the Lord. Don't go and don't be your own admin, your own man and your own God and go, no, cast it onto God. We have to, we have to let go of that. Like I said, taking care of home, your children, their welfare. I've taken care of people before. I mean, I always say that my experience with my siblings who were growing up brought me close to see what responsibility feels like. And it's not a joke. It's not a joke. Women, it's not a joke. Don't joke. Don't, don't ever downplay the burden that a good man carries for his home. Are you with me? Yeah. I mean, these weddings that we went to, I can just imagine the, the where they're taking the guys to get to that place. Everybody calling you, everybody talking to you. I mean, it, it's just so, so much. <laughs> when I say that, look at sometimes I look at some of these and say, man, I want to go to sleep. This, <laughs> this is just too much. I'm telling you, sometimes when I feel very stressed, I just want to sleep. Because the burdens are just too much. Amen. <laughs> so as a man, give it to God. If you are sitting by a guy, a man, tell him, give it to God. Give it to God. Oh, shake the man. Tell the person, give to God. Give, 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 give to God. And the same way we also know the burden of a woman. Uh-huh. Motherhood and all, you know. They say a mother's job is 24 hours job. Yeah. <laughs> mother's continuous worrying about children. And worrying about self. Let's learn to trust God. Mother, run to God before you even go to your husband. You, you get it? Sometimes the burden you cannot carry, you want to offload somebody else. Just, just go to God. God, give me wisdom. Give us wisdom. Then you can, even when you go talking to your, your husband about it, you're not going to be, no. It'll be a different thing. He says, honey, we, we, we don't have food. And I know you know that, but I prayed before. I prayed unto God. I've, I've, so let, let's, let's trust God. I mean, if you're going to tell a man like this, he will argue. Maybe go, 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 I'm telling you, some women carry some things that they themselves can, and they put it on the man. Say, baby, you are the man. No. No. Nobody can handle worry. Worry divorce the joy and the life of anybody who carries it. Are you in the house? Let's open our Bibles also to the next scripture. Philippians 4. 
Hmm. Are you in the house? Yeah. Now, when we, when, we, when we go to God in prayer, that is where our courage comes from. That is where our courage comes from. Our courage to face whatever is before us comes from faith. Because I told you, your prayer reveals not only um, what you trust in, but who you trust in. And when you go before God, can you see... Um, on, uh, on the battlefield, one of the greatest battlefield ever won, one of the greatest field on which battle have been won in history, that's David and, uh, and Goliath. Goliath was tall, experienced, and you, you saw, that, I mean, when you, when, you, when you read accounts, it says that the people rejoiced, his people, the Philistines rejoiced because their trust was in the tall guy, with the experience. But David's trust was in God. And when David stood before Goliath, but David was not alone, he was with God, or God was with David. So I'm just saying that in prayer, you are either, prayer brings, brings us to a position of David, to be like David. It doesn't matter the mountain or the obstacle or the difficulty, we have a certain courage to face that. Because remember, David, one of the key things that made David win his battle it was courage. You can't win the battle, you are not courageous to face. You can't win the battle, you're not courageous to face. Why would David, in experience, be able to stand before Goliath? It was because David had his faith in somebody, in someone, and that gave him courage. Oh, am I making some sense? I haven't confused you. Are you with me? So, what I'm saying is that your prayer is key, casting off, but your, faith, your prayer shows, it gives you courage and also points to faith. It also points to faith. It's also point to faith. Now, anytime you're talking about faith, there's the tendency for us to think that faith is about positive thinking. Because if you're talking about worry, it means you're going through something and all that, just have a positive thinking about it. It's not a positive spin on something. That is not what I'm talking about. The ability to face whatever our worries and things in life is not positive thinking. Hey, am I making some sense somewhere in the house? Faith is not just positive thinking. It's not just what positive thinking. But it is, and, and one, number two, it's also, I mean, it's not, it's not a hunch that one follows. Faith is not, I feel this way, let me, no. You might feel it into more distraction. Are you with me? Uh-huh. When you go before God in prayer, that's not what I'm talking about that you get. Faith is not hoping for the best. <clears throat> that's not it. Although faith expects the best, but that's not what it is. Faith is more than that. Faith is this. The moment of our prayer, when our knees are on the ground and we are looking to this God, faith is according to, uh, faith is human response to God revelation. Faith is human response to God revelation. It means that our faith comes out of a revelation we have received from God. So sometimes when we go, we may not even know about the situation, whatever, but go on your knees as you are there, as you are praying. The divine, which is God, will, will speak to you, will show you something. He will prompt you because by going on your knees or by exercising prayer, what you're doing is that you are showing that I believe in you and God will come through for you. And by that faith, 
we respond to whatever life challenge is all about. Oh, am I making some sense, somebody? Uh-huh. So faith is what human response to what God's revelation or human response to divine revelation. That is faith. Faith is God's response to hum- uh, divine revelation. Mr. and Mrs. Mensah are in the house for the first time. Let's put our hands together. Oh, this one, dear. Forgive us. We don't have um, husband and wife chair. <laughs> They are the newly uh, married couples in CY. Come on, let's, let's put our hands together. Let's put our hands together. Hey, are you in the house? Uh-huh. So faith is what? Is human response towards a divine revelation. That's faith. Hey. So from your place of prayer, you get up. It's not just a matter of, it shall be where, it shall be where. No. No, 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 no. That's not it. Because for me, if somebody will say, oh, Pastor Russell, don't know, worry. And also, you go, it shall be well, it shall be. No, 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 no. I don't know, you smell pepper or you sweet pepper or whatever. Whatever, there'll be pepper inside. Amen. <laughs> Faith is taking God as his word. Faith is taking God at his word. It's taking God at his word. It's taking God at his word. It's believing what God says. Believe what God says. And at the latter part, I'll share with some of the scriptures you can, you can take and put your mind upon. Believe what God says. I remember when COVID, when COVID began so greatly and all over, and then meetings were shut and all those things. From the early parts, from the early parts, I believed that this was a battle of faith. And even to this moment, I still believe it's a battle of faith. Not to say that COVID does not exist. COVID does exist. I will not tell you COVID does exist. It does exist. Has COVID killed people? Yes. Has COVID killed Christians? Yes. But it doesn't take away the fact that it's still a battle of faith. It's still a battle of faith. Because right now, there are Christians that are crippled from inside out. That they may, they can't say that they are denying God because of some experience they have with God, but they are afraid. They can't, they can't trust in God's ability to protect and be for, for them. Because of things they've heard and all those things which are true, but they lacked the ability. They never went forward to see what God's word say and take God as his, at his word. And take God as his word. I've always said that I mean, I've had COVID twice. I mean, that's what my, the first one I know, the second one I'm guessing. <laughs> but whichever, the first one I knew, look, I, the thing shook me, shook my inside. And one time I did, I remember about the experience, a small cold, you feel it. Small, you, look, you feel the thing, the chill inside of you. Amen. But, but, but around that time, I started teaching, I was teaching my people, about how to believe God. We have to believe God and trust God. So when it happened to me, where? Now put to test what you believe. I'm telling you. Sure, I got up there. I, I, I noticed I was getting cold a day or two. It was about two, three days, the intensity. But I was not. And when people come and look for me, I just say, oh, I'm tired. And I just, I was lying down. I'm taking my, my, the drugs. I, then I was taking vitamin C and uh, pro cold. (laughs) 
Don't get the drugs. I'm not lying to you. But I'm saying I'm broke gold. <laughs> That's what I was, I was taking. Maybe I finished. Even by the second day or third day, I had a meeting in the office. And I didn't, I didn't want to cancel it. So I got up. I put on my nose mask and everything. And I went. Thank God the person didn't show up. <laughs> I slept in the office like a baby. <laughs> Four hours. I was just put my, I slept fast. I woke up, took my bag and came home. Now, in the midst of all that, I knew I was not going to die. Why? Because this, this is my response to a divine revelation. Oh, am I making some sense? Yeah. Sometimes you are hungry, but you have to have every When God has revealed to you that I will take care of you. Oh, am I making some sense, somebody? Yeah. Other than that, look, anything will ride you. Anything will do. Even what doesn't God have power to destroy you will have power over you. Go about life. Be practical. Life. Okay, you practical yourself into destruction. <laughs> Some of us, we are here by faith. Faith is what made the way for us to be where we are. If we had left it for our house, we would not be here. When I started growing up, I've shared experience. My father's house, he said the witchcraft of what is there destroys men. Yeah, and there were signs. I remember the first time, I think I was 1996 or something, 97, where my mother mentioned for the first time that something destroys the house of men, you know, all the men struggle. Yeah, right now I have an uncle Louis. You can't say whether he's mad or, because the man is so smart, but in his own realm. <laughs> I'm telling you, he went to Pesek, very smart guy. But all of a sudden, just that. Now if you see him, upon one, he's so fair. <laughs> yeah. My uncle, he, was just, just, one uncle just all of a sudden became blind. He has his own thing. But early when that God started showing me, how the God, God will separate you. That's what he did. That's why God put us in Typha. Separated. And says, you have to have a divine encounter. The times on the park and all those things, little did I know that God was giving me a divine encounter so I can respond to what life brings. And he says, whatever is in my father's house is so that the man will not prosper. Mm. At the heart of it, you can't prosper. But I'm here. Yeah. Oh, I'm not making some sense, somebody. Yeah, I'm here because why? I have to respond to a divine revelation. God gave me the chance to, to read and to study. Pick a reality you believe in and walk by it. Oh, am I making some sense somebody in the house? Yeah. The reason why you worry is because you are not encountering the word. You are not encountering the word. It doesn't matter the issue. And let me tell you, sometimes it's the, one of the difficult things about problems is when the problem has to do with a human being. I don't know that I understand. For instance, if it is you don't have job and all that, that's, that's manageable. But when your problem is a person, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The difficulty about that is because the person you can't change them. Yeah. You actually can't change them even by your own uh, prayer. You can't change them by your own prayer. That's what makes uh, marital problems much difficult because you have to change them by prayer. No matter what you do, I think some years ago I heard Dr. Mensah say, look, he has stopped praying to change people, eh, preaching to change people. 
Because people, people only change when they agree that there's a problem. And they want to take responsibility for it and do something. And all of us, 99%, we don't take problems personal. What are you talking about? All of us, we don't take problems personal. So most of what people see as a problem, you don't see it. And most of what you see as a problem, people don't see as a problem. Hey, am I making some sense? Uh-huh. So the difficult thing about it, that's what makes marital problems difficult. So I believe one of the challenging things, and for me, I learned this through the gift of, um, what's his name? Uh, Kennedy. The son God gave me. I'm the precious cornerstone. That guy nearly killed me. <laughs> Something can make my heart beat. Uh, I, thought, I thought I'm about to collapse. <laughs> I'm telling you. And this is somebody that I didn't give birth to personally. This is somebody that I'm not married to. But I felt the burden for his life. So the same way you can imagine when you're married to somebody. Yeah. Oh, then the issue, dear Charlie, you get that with headache. But this is what I realized that when you go into the word, you still need to go to the word. What the word is going to do is that the word is going to force you and challenge you to change. Because when you go there because of other people, I'm telling you, God will just show you you. And that's what I went through for all those years. Because those years, things were not changing. I was like, ah, God, I prayed ah, that you should change things. I prayed, I fasted. Look, I was in service three, four times a week. But all the revelations, and here's what the, goodness, the thing, good thing about God, that God will give you a hope, give you some prophecy, something you look onto. And then, that's in the future, and then turn the hammer on you. <laughs> he said, I'll bless you, I'll keep you, I'll do this, I'll do Then you turn the hammer on you, then chipping you off. Chipping at you. Chipping at you. Chipping at you. Because remember, God will have to mold you to fit the future he has for you. Am I making some sense somebody in the house? Uh-huh. So we still need to go back towards the word. You have to go back to the word. I don't, it doesn't matter what you're, what you're dealing with. Look, one of the things I wish I'd, I'd kept on, I kept, I kept on faithfully through the years, and which is a devoted heart to the word no matter what. Or let me be more clear, a devoted heart to studying the scriptures. I'm telling you, I'll never forget, I always say this, this book I use, some, those of you that come to my you see it, but now it's even turned into three parts or something. That book, I'll go put, sit, sit by it from morning and I'll leave there by 5 p.m. Not deliberately because then I didn't even have a puppet. Before the puppet came, God sat me by the word and taught me. And so there are many times I'll leave the place rejoicing, but I didn't have much. I'm telling you, I'll leave the place, I'll leave study room rejoicing, happy, on top of the world. But I didn't have much. Why? Because I, I was responding to a divine revelation. Hey, are you in the house? Shake your neighbor and say, neighbor, let's go to the word. Let's go to the word. Let's go to the word. Shake your neighbor and say, let's go to the word. Amen. So what is the word of God I'm living with you? As I come, I bring this to a close. First Thessalonians 5. 1618. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1618. I love that word. It said what? You remember my, 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 my title? The title of my, this is, don't worry what? Be, 
joyful. Don't worry, be joyful. What does he say here? He said what? Be what? I can't hear you. Be what? Joyful all. What is always? <laughs> Without fail, consistent. Whether the girl has broken up with you or not, what? Be joyful. Whether you get your favorite, favorite meal to eat or not, or not, what? Be joyful. Hallelujah. Trust me, I'm preaching, but it's not easy. Sometimes when you're going for service and things are not working very well, then you start, you are boiling. How do you be joyful? <laughs> you are boiling. Hey. Those days when see why we organize a program, somebody will tell you, I'm f- I'm found on one <laughs> in one corner. They try they try to make me say no 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 no. I'll go to do this. Never happy. He's recently I've decided look look I'm going to be happy. Yeah. Oh recently I've decided even safe to save this. I decided I'm going to be happy. I, I, I tried. That's when they were singing from the beginning. I was dancing. I don't know. I had a lot of problems. I've listed 10 things with it. We haven't done right. I said, no, 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 no. You got to be joyful. Relationship, you have to be joyful. Look, choose to be joyful always. Don't hang your joy on the actions of the next person. Because the next person will never be perfect enough and can never be the foundation for your joy. Choose to be happy. Choose. Sometimes you got to get up and just take yourself to a restaurant and go and just eat. Just go and sit down, spread yourself, eat, smile, and go. Oh, am I making some sense? Yeah, just smile and go. Just be happy. Don't wait. You didn't call me and I'm not happy. You are not happy. You have chosen not to be happy. (laughs) You know what they say? The most painful thing about this is that the person that you're angry with doesn't even see you. (laughs) Hey, that one, dear. Is that breaking? <laughs> they haven't seen it cry. Hey, are you in the house? Rejoice always. But it didn't end there. The next verse, it says what? Pray continually. And the next one says what? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is the word, the will of God for you in what? In Christ Jesus. Always. Tell them about always. always. Tell them about always. 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 Yeah, always. Give me the next verse. Let me see. Right, that's fine. But give me, okay, so the, 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 the TPT translation says, it said, let joy be your continual feast. Let joy be your continual feast. So what you, you munch on, Eat on every time should be joy. You get it? This one, if you take trotro, <laughs> or if you drive in Ghana, mm-hmm. trotro drivers want to take away your joy. But before you enter, remember. <laughs> It says, make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect will for you. For this is God's word. For this is God's perfect will for you. You have to understand. It says, be, let's, it said, let joy be your command, your continual feast. You decide. Are you with me? 
You decide. So, before we get up to pray, there's any scriptures I want you to write down and then go and study more on it. Scriptures that can be a foundation for great joy for you. 1 John 4.4 4. It says, but, you're, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. You have already won the victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Amen. How many of us believe that? That there's some, someone living inside of us that is greater than someone that is outside there. Hallelujah. Yeah. The spirit of a world, the spirit of confusion, the spirit of sin, the spirit of sadness, depression. Bible said there's a spirit inside of you that has given you victory already. Hallelujah. So rejoice. Are you with me? Rejoice. You are God's dear children. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, say the Lord. For they are plans of good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope. Amen. Lamentations 3, 23. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. My brother, my sister, God is faithful unto you. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. I will. This is God's word of assurance unto you. I will uphold you. I will help you. I know where you are. I know the situation you are going through. I will. Philippians 4.19 says what? God will supply ah, all our needs. All. Someone say all. Yeah. He will supply. The unemployment issue, the lack of money issue, God will supply. God will supply. Lack of strength, God will supply. God will take care of you. God will supply. That is the promise of scripture unto you. Matthew 19, 26, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Yeah. And then the last one, which I want us to read, is Hebrews 13, 5 to 6. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6. He said, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The next verse. Hmm. It says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Can we boldly say it? Can we all say it? The Lord is my helper. What? I will not fear. What can man do to me? One more time, let's declare it. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on, let's give the Lord some shout of praise. Let's praise. Let's rise up on our feet and just lift up your hands and just give God some praise and just worship Him in this place. We hope you were blessed by this message. For more information, please visit our social media websites on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at Family Alive Ministry. Please subscribe, follow, like, and share. 
God bless you and have a great week.